Chapter 9 Who the fuck designed all these forms? Talon clenched his hands and tried to breathe deeply. If he swept the forms onto the floor, he was going to have to pick them up and resort them. He didn't want to do that. The origin of the word bureaucrat is French for salary and paperwork, Tercy said. Talon blinked at him. Really? I have no idea. Might as well be. Tercy waved disgustedly at the form he was presently filling out. Who cares if we stock ibuprofen on the ship? The ibuprofen lobby, Nix opined. She signed a form with a flourish and looked up, her eyes twinkling. I've been signing all of them. Fuck you. Really flowery. We'll see if anyone notices. Talon choked on his water. Ah, command, Tercy said wistfully. Move up the ranks, they said. Lead soldiers into battle, they said. Load of bullshit. It was a fucking trap. They just wanted us to fill out paperwork. He swept his into a stack and stared glumly at them. And that's what I have to show for my evening. I'm going to go send them in before I give up the will to live. Night, Nix called after him. She rolled her shoulder as she settled down to work on another form. Pull something? Talon looked up. Apparently we have ibuprofen. Nick snorted. No need for anything so paperwork intensive. I pulled it while fighting the kid. He's fast. Faster than you'd expect. I mean, we were both watching him, but when you're facing him down, it's really something. He nearly won. She looked up, and there was no shame in her gaze. Nix was all about the facts. You know who he reminded me of. It wasn't a question, and in a flash, Talon did know. Cade. He missed Cade. From the unexpectedly wicked sense of humor, to the way the man had kept everyone on their toes in the sparring ring. He missed Cade's fierce sense of honor. And he sure as hell missed going into combat knowing that Cade was one of the people who had his back. I wonder sometimes where he went. Nix's voice was quiet. He's a busboy on New Arizona. She gave a laugh, uncertain, until she realized it wasn't a bad joke, but instead a statement of fact. You're kidding. Cade Williams, a busboy. I'm not kidding. I got him the job. You... She gave up trying to fill the form in and set her pen down. He's one of my team... Talon said, by way of explanation. He isn't. Not anymore. He is. Everyone who's been on my team, ever, always will be. She was quiet. I wouldn't have guessed he would want any favors from any of us. I didn't tell him I got him the job. Just made a few polite suggestions. There was more to it than that, of course. Talon had been following Cade's career, such as it was, very closely. Every few months, Cade lost his job sometimes from events outside his control, more often because he refused to fight back against those who wanted to make his life a living hell, and walking was the only way to do that. He had sworn, when he quit, he would never fight again. Talon hadn't believed him. A talent like that would be sacrilege to waste, and he'd always had the fear that he would end up on the other side of a battlefield from Cade. It happened often enough, the people who left the Dragon Corps. And Talon won. He always won. But Cade had stuck to his word, and that was impressive enough for Talon to pull a few strings. Lizadie kept an eye out for the news of him, one of the smallest and most personal jobs she had ever taken. Is he well? Nick sounded sad now. Not really. If I could help him... What? If you could help him what? Her eyes met his. Forget what happened? Not care so much? Be at ease with what he did. It was my order. Talon was prepared to have it on his conscience. He's alive anyway. Rest has to be up to him. I'd have him back in a heartbeat, and he knows that. Nix nodded. 
She returned to her paperwork, though Talon thought it was probably more a way to give him space than anything else. And that was a nice little speech in the gym. Talon dug deep for humor. About him needing more than speed and strength. You're not normally the speech-giving type. He will need more than speed and strength. She was nettled by the joke, even though she knew it for what it was. I wasn't trying to tear him down. You know what dragon selection is about. They come in all cocky, think they, they pass the tests, and they just have to show off for us. Or at least, I did. If only everyone were as honest as Nix. I did too, Talon could only say. God, I was such an ass, and I got beat down so hard. Exactly. Nix leaned forward. That's what selection is about. Wiping the floor with them and seeing who gets up and who doesn't. So what matters, Talon let his voice trail off, is what this kid does with the experience, Nix finished. She nodded and stood, sheaf of finished forms held neatly under one arm. We'll see. Next time we go back, we'll see how he's doing. Talon nodded absently. I'll be interested to see if he can beat you. He looked up to see Nick smiling. What? He's as good as on the team now. We don't have space, Talon said flatly. Well, I'll see. You keep saying that. I'll make you do all the paperwork. Message received, boss. Nick beat a hasty retreat. What's the point of it, though? Austin Poole, one of the independent assassins who served intelligence, lounged in the doorway of the surgical room and crossed his arms. Tara neither answered nor looked over. Poole was everything she hated in an assassin. Flashy, sloppy, and self-important. He'd put gold accents onto his armor, most of which was far more impressive-looking than useful, and nicknamed himself Apollo. She hoped the first person he'd told that to had laughed in his face. She certainly had. He didn't like her very much. I said, I heard you. Tara kept her eyes fixed on where Dr. Broman was finishing up some stitches and trying to pretend he didn't exist. She waited for the retort she was sure was coming, only to be met with silence. When she looked around curiously, she saw that Poole had fallen back into the corridor and a man in military dress was standing in the doorway. Broman ducked his head so hard he practically bowed and disappeared with just the tiniest swish of an alcohol swab on Tara's skin. He and Poole were gone a moment later, and Tara stood to meet her father's eyes. Hello. She always felt overwhelmed when she saw him, and she had decided recently it was because he seemed to be so many different people at once. There was the man who had rescued her on the streets of Osiris, with a ready smile. The man who held her small, dirty hand as his ship lifted off. There was a man who had taught her to read and do math. He had always been stern, never accepting anything less than perfection from her. You must learn all of this until it is natural to you as fighting with your fists and your feet. And then there was the man who was the head of Lion's Intelligence, who she had seen take command without fear in the wake of tragedy, who was determined to fight on the offensive, never the defensive. She, more than most, knew how determined he was to do what must be done. That he loved her, she had no doubt. But he had trained her for a purpose, and in many ways she knew that purpose was more important to him than sentiment. She had never wondered at the fact that he had not married. He was a driven man. He would not be a conventional husband, and certainly he was not a conventional father. She did not care. She was not a conventional daughter, either, so they were suited to be a strange little family. She loved him fiercely. In the face of her awkwardness, he smiled and held out his arms, and she went to him for an embrace. How are you? He took her hand and turned it to examine the wrist. Dr. Broman said there was a problem? Not a big one. 
She lifted a shoulder. It's to be expected with a new type of implant. I'm learning to work with it. He'll make better versions in time. He smiled bemusedly. You keep getting better. I'll give you that. And I'll approve any upgrades you say you need. Tara smiled back at him. Even Dr. Broman was hesitant about the upgrades Tara was now asking for. He made them, but he asked her often if it was too much or if she was scared to change herself. She did not understand the worry. Each upgrade made her better, giving her the edge when she fought against her enemies. The problems she might experience from the upgrade seemed no different to her than the injuries or illnesses that might strike any human body at any time. And she did not fear to become something different from what she was, when each implant brought her closer to her ideal self. So, your last mission. Her father's smile was gone now. Tara blinked at him. He was unhappy with something, that much was clear, but she could not imagine what it would be. The mission had been very clean. Yes? She knew she sounded uncertain, and she hoped that Poole was not still in the hallway to hear this. The rest of the compound. Her father took a seat on the surgical chair. His dark brown eyes were fixed on her. You left the rest of them. I didn't have intel on them. Tara ran through the mission in her head, turning the decisions over. Every one of them had seemed simple at the time. She'd not doubted, or even debated herself. The man running the compound, who went simply by Turner, no one seemed to know if it was a given name or a surname, had been implicated in knowingly moving weapons to slave traders. Tara had no problems removing him from the ecosystem of the slavers, but she had not known whether the others in the compound knew where the money came from. They had been growing their own food, tending to animals, eking out little more than bare subsistence. They were farmers, Tara said. They grew vegetables. They grew vegetables? Her father sounded incredulous. Does that signify? They weren't slavers, Tara said blankly. Perhaps they knew how he brought the money, but I couldn't be sure. I couldn't kill them if I wasn't sure. There was a pause while they stared at one another, and her father broke first. He sighed and looked away, and though her heart ached for him to be more proud of her, she could not find a way to regret what she had done. Tara, he passed a hand over his forehead. What will happen when the slavers go there for the weapons Turner brought them? Tara felt a chill. They'll kill them. No, he gave a sigh and looked away. They will become the new contacts. He sounded impatient. They will become weapons traders as well. You can't know that. It is a near certainty. His voice had risen. He met her eyes again, just as angry and implacable as her own, and sighed again. What if they had attacked you? Then I would have killed them, Tara frowned. You might have been hurt. I'm an assassin. She had no idea what to make of this conversation. I might always be hurt. He stared at her, still angry. You were sent with a broad objective, not a specific one. Whatever you must do to achieve it, you must not shrink from... I would not. How could he doubt her? If you sent me to destroy the slave trade in that sector, I would do it. I would do anything that needed to be done. But you sent me to punish him. Destroy everyone in the compound and I would still not have stopped the slavers. Just because it might be easier for them to turn these people in the compound, surely that cannot justify killing them. She was heaving for breath when she finished. Her fists were clenched. There had been children in the compound. Who would care for them if she had killed all the adults? A moment later, he sighed and nodded. I... You are right. You saw them. I did not. It is only conjecture that they were his accomplices. If you had seen them, you would understand. 
Terra assured him. They lived simply. Had we not had intel on Turner himself, I would not have believed he could do such a thing. The place seemed homey. Even a terrible person may put on a good face. His voice was grim, but he did not seem angry anymore. It is good to know that you will not kill without cause, Terra. Terra managed a small smile. You're not angry with me? No. He reached out and squeezed her hand, careful to avoid the new stitches, and stood. Have Dr. Broman finish the stitching and then rest. There are no new missions for you right now. Then I'll train, Tara said. Not rest. To rest is to get soft. Her father dropped a kiss on her forehead. That is why you are the best, Tara. I love you. I love you too. She was almost glowing as he left. She knew she was better than Apollo, but it was good to know that her father knew it too. She flexed her fingers and wiggled them. The implant was seated much more securely this time. It would make her even better, even faster. She could defeat anyone. She frowned. Men like Turner were remote, best suited to a single assassin, but she'd begun to feel lately that her talents were being masted. She would never question her father, of course, but she began to wonder if he was trying to keep her safe. You might have been hurt. She looked at the door where he had disappeared and chewed her lip as she thought. Someday, she would pick her own target, and it would be someone truly worthy of her. She would know that she had not simply taken out a link in a larger chain, but instead that she had gone straight to the top. She just had to find someone worthy. Hey. Liam opened one eye and closed it again hastily. Light hurt. Moving his face hurt. He'd already known from the voice that it was Victoria. Are you all right? She sounded concerned. He heard the creak as she sat on the cot next to his. Healing, he managed. They say it'll be better tomorrow. They could have fixed it all now, she sounded annoyed. Doctors can be such assholes sometimes. No, it's... I told them not to do anything special. It was a choice he'd spent the past little while regretting. Why? Victoria clearly agreed with his regrets. It seemed like I should hurt. He pushed his eyes open again. He opened his eyes again and pushed himself up to sit with a wince and a gasp. I lost. Punishing yourself for that seems pointless. I'm not punishing myself. I'm allowing myself to have a learning experience. His grandfather had called lots of things learning experiences. Falling off the roof of the stables, getting chased by a flock of angry chickens, getting bitten by one of the goats. As much as he hated the pain at the time, Liam had never made those mistakes again. Victoria frowned. But tomorrow, tomorrow I'll fight while I'm in pain. Don't tell me dragons don't do that. Well, I suppose they would, but... She shook her head. You need to be at your peak for selection. None of us can afford to be anything less than perfect. But that's not... Liam tried to find words to describe this. Being a dragon isn't about being the strongest, is it? Or the fastest? That's what she said to me when she knocked me down the second time. And I needed more than talent. If I fight tomorrow and I'm in peak condition, I fight the same way I always fight. If I fight and I'm injured, I have to be cleverer. I have to compensate for my injuries. She didn't win that fight because she was in better condition. She won it because she was smarter. Victoria rested her elbows on her knees. She was frowning, but she didn't interrupt. If I join a dragon team, they won't always see me at my best. They'll have to trust me to be at their back when I'm beaten down and exhausted. And who you are when you're hurting, when it's easier to quit the field, that's who you really are. Liam nodded decisively. The pain hadn't lessened one bit, 
but he was already feeling better. I'm going to train until I can beat her. Until I can, I'm not dragon material. And until I can learn to fight smarter, I can't beat her. So what are you going to do? She was still frowning. Liam grinned. You up for a midnight training session? Talon, Tercy, and Nyx make an excellent trio. None of them take each other too seriously. And we get to see a little more this week of how Tercy and Nyx keep Talon on his toes, just by being themselves. We also get to hear a bit more about Cade, who is on New Arizona. There's one other set of characters on New Arizona right now. And I'll just leave to your imagination what's coming down the pike with that. There is one brief interlude here, however, where Talon mentions that it's not uncommon to fight ex-dragons, including people he cared about, and that he always ends up taking them down. This is one of the parts of Talon that is so well-suited to his job, and it's one of the things that will also make this mission incredibly painful for him. It helps give some of the shape of what's coming, but also tells us a lot about him, including that he knows on some level when he helps train someone that they might come back around and be his enemy at some point. And he still trains them well. We also get more of a glimpse of Terra in this chapter. And Terra has a more of a view into the world of the Dragon Corps. Now, Terra has been more of a view into the world so far than a plot-driving character, but that's going to change quite shortly. And it's nice to see her character coming out, particularly now that we've met her father in the context of Talon's mission as well. Tara, Talon, and Alexander Soros make a very interesting trio in a lot of ways. And it'll be interesting to see what you all think of that as it gets going. And then there's Liam. Poor Liam, who got his ass absolutely handed to him by Nyx. Liam, however, is beginning to come around as someone who has a good bit of inbuilt wisdom. And he's taken Nyx's warning to him very much as she meant it. This is one of the first times, but certainly not the last, that Liam is going to really surprise the dragons. Coming up next week, we head back to Emir for more resistance shenanigans, and Talon gets a lead in his quest to hunt down the warlord. Till next week.